All right, welcome everyone to the Pluralistic Rabbinical Seminary podcast. This is your friend Rabbi Patrick, Director of Innovation, and as always here with my pal, Founder and Director of PRS, Rabbi Sandy Zisser. How's it going today, Rabbi Sandy? Pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. Um, nice, nice day all around so far. Nice. Not a Bocare mediocre. It's always a Bocare mediocre, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, if there's a way that we can make your life better, more fun, more Jewish, or if you have any questions or comments, visit us at jewishpluralism.org, jewishpluralism.org org or rg not.com uh, and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so today's episode if you are going to start a rabbinical seminary you're going to start a rabbinical seminary so we're calling it this because that was what i one day said to rabbi sandy i called him up and i said so if you were going to start a rabbinical seminary what exactly would you do and I'm thinking, Rabbi Sandy, do you remember the day we started the program, or at least started talking about the program better than I do? Because I just remember there was, I, I was driving around and then I parked in front of, I think, a men's clothing store, or maybe it was a hair salon. I, I don't remember when, when we first had that conversation about, would we want to do this? Do you remember anything about it at all? So, yes, actually very vividly. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, there are things like certain things you don't forget, I guess. Um, the phone call, I was I was sitting uh, in my office at work, and you called, and you said, so, so tell me why, you know, how this could work, right? And my response was, okay, here's how it can't work. And I, I think we proceeded for the next hour or so to talk about why things uh, wouldn't work out if we did it and all the downfalls and the pitfalls and, and things like that and we're like okay cool great you know they can't do it like too many hurdles too many hurdles too many issues too many you know things that could go sideways and we didn't we didn't we left it like that and then i think the next day i, I sent you an email which i guess if printed out would be like three pages long uh, saying here's exactly how we can do it and then we're like, oh, yeah, cool. We could do this. Look at that. And then we spent the next two years or so plotting it out. Uh, if I remember that, that's from my side of how I remember doing it. Uh, then there's another piece to it. The, we started hashing things out and making plans for things and, and then sort of put it on hold because I guess there was a moment of uncertainty about, you know, would it actually really work and, and what are we actually really doing? And why are we actually doing it? Uh, and you know, what's the reaction going to be like? Or are we going to find people to yeah. want to be part of this? And and then of course, this is like a year later, right? This is not like right, recent, right? Um, from that first moment to to this moment, and and um, I remember being on the phone with one of our colleagues, Sarah, who is our HR person, extraordinaire, and. Uh, she and I were talking about some other things and then the, this, this idea of the seminary came up and I said, you know what, we should just do it. We, I don't know what we're waiting for. What are we so scared about? Let's just do it. See what happens. What's the worst that could happen? And then I called you and you're like, yes, yes, you're right. We're going to just do it. And then the next day we, we like started full out planning for it to do it. And I think that, that those are the two memories that stick out in my mind. 
about yeah. about those planning moments of oh here's how we we can't do it here's how we can do it why should we do it you know those three moments of course they span like a year and a half's worth of time you know it wasn't like um yeah. it wasn't like a, a one day after the next but it was it those are the moments that stick out for me um i also of course remember uh as i think we we talked about once before like where where i actually was when we when we said let's go live with this and um sure, sure. you know and and that was one of those other moments so so there are key points where you just don't forget those you know because you think they're going to be like these earth-shattering moments and then of course they pass and you're on to the next part of it and then it's like oh that was it <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds huge at the time and then all of a sudden it's like yes that's just one step in the in the bigger picture of having having to do this so those are the memories i have of it yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing because i remember when i first spoke with you i was uh like driving around and i had wanted to have this conversation with you about starting the seminary <laughs> and I didn't exactly know how I wanted to approach it. And honestly, you know, giving just sort of giving people a little bit of an insight when Darshan Yeshiva first launched, uh, you know, it was it was fairly anticlimactic. And then when we did the conversion program, right, when that started coming out, right. before any information about the conversion program came out, like when it was still in the works, people were writing articles about it. And it's like, well, there's, I remember one journalist reaching out to me and saying, well, I'd like to write about it. And I said, there's nothing to write about it. It's a hypothetical that's being, it's a work in progress. Uh, and then, you know, this person wrote it as if it was a thing that, that actually existed in the world. And I remember like, you know, all these like organizations were calling me. I was getting all these emails from people, uh, some positive, um, but a lot of them very skeptical, negative. Uh, we were trolled for a little while uh, by somebody. And all this is happening just as a little insight into my personal life. When my wife and I had our wedding coming up, and then I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I was actually in the hospital. And this will tell you how screwed up my priorities were at the time. There was one writer who, I mean, this person just had it out for us. They just thought that this program that didn't even exist yet shouldn't exist and was writing all this stuff. And I remember uh, emailing or texting like from my hospital bed. <laughs> right that's how screwed up my priorities oh. were so then so then you know obviously the program is very successful we have 30 plus rabbis who who work in the conversion program specifically and all this other stuff so when it came to thinking about launching prs i mean on a on a level i kind of had like ptsd where I was like, okay, I know what it's like to launch something that's going to be controversial. And do I have the stomach for this, right? Do I have the guts for this? Um, and, uh, you know, that was part of the conversation that I had with you uh, in, a, in a sense was kind of getting your feel for it because I felt like if there was anyone who would be into it, it'd be you. You were director of Darshan Yeshiva. So you were in a place to do this right role wise it made sense for you to to be in, in charge of this on some level uh whatever level you wanted to be and then on top of that i just sort of felt like you as a friend are someone who would be able to 
help me, and this is part of your rabbinical skill as well, and your, your skills as a teacher, to be able to moderate any concerns that I had. Um, and then, and then help with, um, help with being able to find like, what's the re- what are the real problems, right? Like here are all the things that freak you out, but like, what's the real issue we have to deal with? And, uh, you know, quickly we, f- we figured out uh, there really weren't any problems, right? Like the biggest issue was just making sure people wanted to, to be in the program. There were plenty of teachers. There were plenty of, you know, electives creators. There was plenty of content. There was plenty of, uh, you know, tech stuff and uh, plenty of potential applicants, uh, you know, but uh, focusing on, do you have great educators? Do you have a good program or a great pro- program, I should say? And then do you have people who actually want to do it? Um and those are the real issues. Like what some person on the internet says about you doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, my reputation in life has preceded me as someone who like raw doesn't care, but actually I'm an, I'm an incredibly sensitive person. I'm very sensitive to criticism and, and things like that. So um, it was really great to have you. I remember your exact words after you and Sarah had that conversation. Yes. Right? When I talked to you, it's almost like when you're a kid, it maybe technology has changed this, but it's like you're a young, young, you know, tween or adolescent or something. And it's like you like someone, and instead of just talking to them about how you like them, you talk to the mutual friend. Right. And then the mutual right. friend says, Oh, so and so likes you. It was a very similar thing of like, I spoke with you, right. you spoke with Sarah, you and Sarah were like, what's Patrick's problem? Like, what's he so afraid of? This is right, great. Let's right, do right. it. And then came back, and then you sort of came back around to me and you said, well, I talked to Sarah and this this is a good, good thing. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I think that was when I was in front of the hair salon. I think that's the- That's interesting, the, yeah. We first talked about it when I was in front of the clothing store. When we <laughs> finalized it, I was in front of the hair salon. And I remember really? these exact, these were the exact words you said to me. They are seared in my mind forever. You said, there's the Patrick I know. Gotcha, yes. Yes, I that's remember that. That's the line. That's the exact line you said to me. And I thought, wow, how many years? Uh-huh. I actually kind of, it was almost like a mourning experience for me. I thought, huh. how many years have I as a leader- in this multinational organization been leading based on fear and and how sad is that and how much more could i have done as a leader to grow the work we do if i hadn't had those early experiences that freaked me out and 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 made me a little gun shy right because part of it is we always work off our experience right and usually the negative pieces prevent us from from the positive and this is a, this is your classic example sorry to say but <laughs> but in many ways right like you you were on some level like when when darshan yeshiva started or even before that when you were had this this concept of the punctura universe right right, right? right. and this idea that uh, it could be different and the pushback that was that you re- received and the, the negativity even though a lot of it was probably real but a lot of it was probably made up because you know right. 80 percent right. of the things that we think are going to happen in our brains never happened so right. Right. so but they do limit what we do so for sure i i saw that you know well, well it took you so long to ask 
the question about creating the seminary, <laughs> first of all, right. Right? because because of course you're thinking it in your head, like you know, what am I going to say? Well, or what am I going to say? Either I'm going to say, well, well, Patrick, that's a great idea, or that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, there's two answers, you know. So which one did you not want to hear at the moment, right? right. And then and then um, that initial conversation of, well, I know you want to talk about how we could do it, but here's how we can't, you know, or how it can't work. And then all of a sudden, just just thinking about it and writing out that how it could work and of right. course your response to that i remember was i knew you'd think about it <laughs> you right know? right you know? right like, thanks thanks a lot but it is something that that definitely holds people back is other people's thoughts about right what what are the, what's x going to think about this that i do well in the end who cares you know like, right, like when we right. were talking about this you know we purposely set a limit for each cohort to 10 people First of all, right. if uh, first of all, on the the funny side of it is, you know, it's good enough for a minion. It works for us, right? But also this idea that that ten people as a limit is great for conversation, but also great for personal attention. But also, if you remember, <laughs> we said if we can't find seven to ten people who want to do this across the globe, we're doing something wrong, right? You know, right. and and in many ways, you know, did I ever think that we'd have you know, three cohorts moving along, you know, or, or no. <laughs> like right. it was right. Was like, because oh. the original vision was, you know, a two-year program. You right. see those six to ten people, seven to ten people through those two years, then you pick up another, you know, six to ten. And right. now, yeah, it's it's consistently six to ten every single year. Right. Right. And that and that's something that I don't know. I, I'm not sure how long you thought we were going to be doing this, but you know, right. I thought eh, it's a good experiment. We could give it a shot, you know. And then, of course, the two years of of research development, I was like, it better be more than once <laughs> because, <laughs> because of all the time we just put into this, you know. Right. And and who knew the fact that it it works, you know. And right. it, and and again, you know, we say this. I think I said this every podcast so far. It's because of the people behind it. And the you know the people in it behind it who are willing to say yeah I'm part of this and I'm I'm proud of it you know and I think that's yeah. how it works. You know you were talking you were saying about the development part and we haven't really talked about this yet, which is the the research and the work that went into figuring out um, how to put this together. And this is uh, this is one of those moments where a I hope when this podcast episode airs that our students in the innovation program will listen to this because this is, you know, we're, we're really, you know, pulling the, the curtain back um, and, and showing how this thing really works. And I, I think that's important. But then also uh, there was a book, I, for, I forget, it was something like steal this business plan or something like that. Or maybe it was a blog post called steal. Actually, I know who it was. So shout out to our friends at paid memberships pro particularly Jason, um, who, uh, you know, really did the software that made it possible for us to start Darshan Yeshiva um, and, uh, and PRS. We uh, use their, um, we use their platform for running a lot of our um, systems that have to do with sort of how people sign up for courses and, you know, um, things like that. So, you know, definite shout out to Jason. And I, I appreciate that we have such a great relationship with that company. Um, so Jason and, and Kim, you know, thank you a lot for, for making all of it possible for us, uh, truly. 
you know, I feel the same way about all of our partners, but, you know, them, them in particular, yeah, Jason and Kim at, uh, you know, Paid Memberships Pro, Stranger Studios, uh, honestly, we couldn't do it without them, but, um, but uh, you know, some of this, what you have to do to sort of think about how you're going to put something together requires all this deep research. Thank God we already knew about that software system. And we, we could easily just do that. We already knew how to do WordPress because WordPress was the software that um, that uh, Darshan Yeshiva is based on. I have no problem saying all of this because there's a website called Built With that you can go on. You can actually just hijack that and find out what we do. So feel free to steal the idea. It's public information anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, we sort of already knew that, but that doesn't build a seminary, right? That builds a website. Right. Uh, that doesn't build a, a seminary. Knowing about PayPal, uh, Merchant Systems, and Paid Memberships Pro, and WordPress, and LearnDash, and all of these other things, that doesn't build it. You know what? What really built it uh, was the people. Um, I'm curious. You know, for you, I know the parts that I was involved in when you were first having the initial conversations with people. What was that like? I mean, obviously, we don't want to name names because privacy matters. But you know, what kinds of people were you talking to, and what kind of reactions were you getting? Because I think some people might be surprised by what, right. what you got out of it. Yeah. yeah. So if you remember, for, well, first of all, besides that, all the things you just mentioned, I'm happy you enjoy those. <laughs> I because, love them. I can talk to Jason Coleman good. like anytime. I, Having I'm coffee with him so in Richmond, Virginia was so awesome. And meeting yeah. him was was great. I'm yeah. very happy for you because, <laughs> because it's really great that you had those conversations while I was having other conversations. Because right, you're right, right. You know, the backbone, the technological backbone of what we do is extremely important because we can't survive without it. But on the same side, you know, the flip side of that coin, we can't survive without the educators and instructors that we had. Right, so I right. remember there were two, two questions. So the, the first thing that we did was we, um, we, we spoke to rabbis and mentors that we had working for us right. uh, on the Darshan Yeshiva side, right? Uh, who were part of our conversion program. Uh, just, you know, floating the idea of, of what we were doing, just to see what could come, you know, what reactions right, I would right. get. And because, because what's interesting is that the majority of those, those uh, rabbis are non-movement right. people, right? So there are a lot of post-denominational rabbis that work for us in the conversion program. There are some that are affiliated with, with different movements, but majority of them are actually post-denominational. And right. the interesting thing is that they all thought it was it was a fun interesting idea but that's as far as it went you know right you know right i was it, shocked I, that they didn't want to immediately teach and, and get involved there's a well, few what, but not yeah. really well what's interesting to me about that was that i don't i don't i mean i don't really remember if i actually gave them that option <laughs> because <laughs> because i knew Oops. you know i'm not sure like th that's sort of a, a vague moment in my head uh sure. because i was checking on you know, the idea and the concept because they were there, but I knew that they already had a niche, right? They were working in right. the conversion program. They all were, were in life doing other things. And I right. wasn't going to push right. to be like, Hey, do this also for us, you know? 
and, right. And, right. And, that's a problem that we've had in the past. Of, sure. You know, we, we give a lot of work to people mm-hmm. and, you know, generally speaking, it's the 80, 20 principle. So like 20, so 80% of the work will go to the 20% of people who mm-hmm. say yes to everything. Right. But then you overwhelm people. And there were, I think one or two people from the conversion program who specifically said, you know, keep me, you know, up to, up to date on what you do. And, uh, right. and all that but yeah but then you do overwhelm them and, and then they fall flat and you've right. ruined a person's life right right on some level and <laughs> on some level. <laughs> right on yeah. some level and then so what we did was after that mm-hmm. I was like okay so they're interested in it so it's not like it's it's this idea that you and I had and then you know Sarah was was gung-ho about it and then we we're like, okay, we'll do it. And then, you know, everyone else we spoke to was like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why would you do this horrible idea? You know, so with that, I, I started looking at people that I knew, um, you know, rabbis that I knew, right. and Jewish educators that I knew who taught specific things, you right. know, like who specifically taught Talmud or Tanakh or did pastoral care. And I had a lot of individualized conversations. Right. A lot of them right. started the same way with this with this uh, one phrase. And I used the one this one phrase a few times and it seemed to work well as a jumping off point. So I used it the, for everybody. It okay. was it was um, I'm putting a team together and I want you to be part of it. Wow. You know, and wow. that was and that, of course, piqued the interests of people like, what do you, you know, what is that? What you know, why would you want me? And right. we had a lot of conversations about what the vision of the program would be, right? What their role would be and, and how it would work because the majority, if not all of these teachers, now remember this is, uh, you know, two and a half years ago, right? Three right. years ago, it's, there's no, let's go work online all day. You right. know, like right. let's go teach yeah. online all day. Like, you know, we were, we met face to face without masks on, like, you know, like two inches apart from each other having coffee. It wasn't like, sure. it was like, you know, there was no pandemic, right? We didn't right. have to worry about anything. And no one really knew, unless you worked with Zoom or, or you know, one of the other, no one knew what it was, you know, like, yeah. or yeah. how it worked, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I'm very aware. The number of times that we had to help people learn how to check their email, like yeah. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of brutal, not going to lie. <laughs> which is, which is funny, which is funny because that's not, that's not a new concept, right? But the right. teaching online was, and I had to explain to them. And of course, depending on the person, it was, was this a live course or was it a moderated course where you pre-record the lectures and then you have the, you know, the live message board on Slack to communicate, you know, or are you meeting on Tuesdays at 8 PM, you know, online with your class. So I had to, I had to figure out which classes should be live and which ones shouldn't. Uh, And also, you know, the find the right people. And the good thing for me is I guess I chose wisely because all the conversations I had resulted in yeses. You know, there wasn't right, any, there were right. so I, I guess I thought it through enough. There were some surprises though, that, that when I was talking to a few people you know, who actually ultimately became teachers for us, um, who I wasn't thinking about. And they right. and, and, and we, as we're talking like, well, I would teach for you. And I said, you would, <laughs> you know, there's this moment of like, really, you would. Um, and then I was like, of course you would, because here's exactly what you could teach. And that's why I think it took so long, you know, from my end, that was the longest part of, of the development part right. of, of right. finding the right people. And it, because a lot of it was personalized conversations, more than one, 
right? Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, forget about using Zoom. How about, um, this, might, this might be calling you out a little bit, but how about writing a contract for an educator? Right. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So I'm going for it because it's a fun, it. funny story. Go for uh, it. So, you know, we, so talk about um, the educational world and the business world colliding. Oh my God. Right. A little and, did I know, little did I know. Little did you know, exactly. Uh, that even something as simple as I'm going to write a contract for your class could be the biggest issue ever. Right. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, and I've learned a lot actually from, from this, you know, from our situation about contracts in the real world, as opposed to education contracts, because they're totally different, right. you know, on, on the business side of things, there are deadlines for right. certain parts of projects. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times I had to, to remind you that that's not how education worked. Right. Yeah, and that, that broke my brain. I know. It absolutely broke my brain. I'm like, what do you mean? Like in the education world, there's homework and homework is due at a certain time. And you're like, yeah, unless we change the deadline. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Right. And it was like, you know, it's not like receivables. You like it's 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 like, you know, right, we were, right. we're we're working on, yeah, sure. You have not you have to produce a, a nine session course. Right with different if you're doing it in moderated with with videos and recordings and no it could, you could be two weeks ahead of right. the next class you know as opposed right. to like no no I remember you're like no we want all of them all nine of them you know oh yeah that was two months before yeah yeah looking <laughs> back on that I'm like now I know what a moron I was to, to think that like that's how that would that, that's how that would work because I I was I was thinking about it like software or right. Uh, courses that we make for Darshan Yeshiva, where uh -huh. it's like, you know, it's this packages of content or like logos or designs for merchandise. And it's like, you had to really educate me, no pun intended, that right. this is not how it works. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, that was, that was tough. I'm not good for me. You know, that was, that was a really I don't want to, I don't know exactly what the word is. It was, uh, maybe an e ego is not quite the right word. It was a word. challenge to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was a challenge. I think my favorite, I'm not going to say who this was, was the person who asked a question about their contract when the contract was in their email. And basically what they wanted us to do, there's multiple versions of the story, but uh, of, of people doing this, where they want in an email for you to explain what's in the contract. And it's like, yes. well, if you just read the contract, it's there. Right. I remember. That's right. another one of those right. break my brain moments. And so we've had like three or four of yes. those and, for and the past three years. And one of the best parts is that, that we continue to have those moments for you. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's the best part because, because like that, I remember we sent contracts out after rewriting them like three times after sending them out, right? Like, right, like right. because it just wasn't working for people. People weren't really understanding like the nuance of the, the, the wordage and all this stuff. And, and there was one that we sent out like attached as your contract for whatever year it was. Sure, and, sure. and the person was like, yeah, well, I need to know what I'm teaching first. They were like, well, if you open the contract, it, that's the first line it tells you. Right, right. Like that. And you were like, I don't understand. I'm like, no, no, no. Understand. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total yeah. sense. And, and I tell you, thank God you and I had, I think, like an hour long conversation where you finally broke it down piece by piece for me. Yeah. Because then I had to have that exact same conversation with another person uh -huh. who's more, who is more like that than I am. Uh -huh. Right. So, like, like I'm 75% 
non-educator, 25% educator brain, uh-huh. right? And then I had to explain it to someone who has 100% business brain, uh-huh. not educator brain. And, and yeah, you would have thought, I think I joked with you about if we took these contracts had them written in Aramaic, like a ketubah, yes. and then put them in a leather-bound book, someone might read them. But if right. we email them or send them in DocuSign, yeah, yeah. it's like, you're, you're in trouble. And, and you actually did kind of joke with me about, well, maybe we should just write them in Aramaic. Maybe that would be you more know, interesting for people. Maybe a parchment right, scroll. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like a Megillah. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you know, those are things you don't think about when right. you're when you're starting like who would think that that the the hardest thing to do was to get was to get educators to understand the business model right right or the business model to understand the educators you know and you so know, yeah and that's exactly what that is is making sure the business model understands the educators right and and that challenge because in education it seems you know i i have a limited sphere of of knowledge about this you know, as someone who's been running, you know, the, the punctura world and overseeing this stuff. And then in my time as a parent and as someone who cares about education, that, um, you know, the, the differences between what it takes to do education and what it takes to run a business and the necessity of understanding that the market for the educational product, for lack of a better word, see, I'm defaulting to business language, (laughs) you know, the the market for the education is what we design the business model around, but you also have to design the business model around the people who are providing that education in the first place. And if you, and, and the experience that I've had talking to educators, some of whom are with us and some of whom, you know, have worked with us on one project and then moved on. And, and that's totally normal um, is everyone agrees that education is not being done correctly. But then when people with my personality go into it and try to change the model, it, it just educators are allergic to it. And I didn't understand why. And then you said something to me, and I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but something like educators are always on guard or, or whatever uh, about any kind of change, because inevitably it's about how do we make your life harder? Yes, you know, I, whereas, I remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, whereas right. I thought of all of these things we were doing, like we were going to give advanced payments. I remember right. this was hilarious. We were going to oh give advanced payments in advance for people to do work because my attitude was, okay, uh, you're gonna, you know, you as an educator yes. are gonna are gonna make content, right? Like mm-hmm. you're gonna do that research, you're gonna make that video, you're gonna record that lecture, you're gonna write that whatever. You should be compensated for that time. Like that is fair. You are doing work before your course starts. We want to compensate you for that time. And then once you actually start teaching on Zoom or on Slack, then, you know, you should be paid for that as well. And I remember we sent out those initial contracts and people were like, well, how come I'm only being paid a quarter or a fifth of what I'm due? And it's, and we're like, well, no, we're, we're giving you basically a signing bonus, right? We're giving you money in advance. Right. They couldn't understand the concept of money in advance. Some right. did, but and most I, didn't, and, and they I, got I, really mad. <laughs> you know, I remember. I remember all the conversations. Thanks so much. But the 
because I had a lot of them. Right, um, because educators have been yeah. so mistreated yeah. that, that the natural inclination is towards like, how are you going to mistreat me? Right, exactly. It, and it's terrible. Right, and the fact is that, you know, we don't, and the, the, you know, the business world works on contracts. That's how it right, is, right? Right, the, right. It's almost as if the education system works on handshakes. Right, right. right. And for, for better or really for worse. But the, the idea was that when we were giving them, you know, eff effectively we had two contracts, right? There was the, right. the produce, you know, the outline and syllabus and then we give you 500 bucks or whatever it was. And then right, the rest right. of it comes. And I remember people were like, well, I don't understand. This is not what we talked about. I was like, oh my gosh. And then what I remember more was trying to convince you about it. Because you right. had to wrap your head around that too, about like, why don't they want the money? I was like, no, it's not about the money. It's about right, them right. understanding, feeling like you're going, like there's something in this document that's going to screw them, you know, right. like somewhere. Right. And that's right. unfortunately, unfortunately, that's education in a nutshell, you know, yeah. like yeah. How, how the system is going to screw the teachers. And that's just right. the way it is. Right. And, you know, I understand that because I'm, I've been in it for 35 years and right. And so here's a chance to make it not that. And then right. people don't understand why you're doing it. So it was yes. a very, it was very, it was very funny and frustrating at the same time <laughs> on my yeah. part. And well, luckily we got that all ironed out and, you know, yeah, and, way, and we yeah. did by reverting to a type of contract that is way more standard, right? right? Like you start on this date, it ends on this date. Here's how much you get paid. And here's the, the schedule for Correct. payment, which I, I felt was, actually a terrible deal because yeah. you're, you have to do work in advance if you're going to teach a class, if you're going to come up with a syllabus, if you're going to put together, uh, you know, things mm -hmm. for just unit one, right? Day one. Day one, you don't walk into the virtual classroom and and sit there and figure it out and then start talking to the students. Right. You and do work in advance, but the concept of being paid in advance was so shocking yeah. that people were like, no, please don't, I beg of you. And I think that's an issue, <laughs> that's that's actually a bigger issue in education about like not being paid for your time, right? That's right. basically what we were right. doing. We were trying to pay people for the time they were spending prior, you know, for, the, for their planning sessions. And in the education mind, well, that's all part of the same thing. You know, right. it's all part of the job. There's no extra anything, which is a problem. Again, I guess you know, on the on the system side of things, you know, yeah. and and who knew that that people would be resentful for us wanting to give them money, but that's right. just the way it worked. Right. I mean, but okay. So speaking of money, right? So you know, I never had to worry about this part. Yeah, you know, budget you and still things. Don't. <laughs> you no, still don't. No, I still don't. Well, no, I still <laughs> that's do. my problem. <laughs> I do, but I mean, I think about it. But you know, they're really just numbers on a page, so who cares? But right. the, <laughs> but so the question that I think about sometimes is like, did you think this through, like the budget, <laughs> or did you? Were we like, oh, let's just go for it? You know, like, oh, like no. how did that work? I spent, I I spent countless hours working on a budget, and I still do. Um, you know, every every week I'm looking at the budget and trying to figure out how are we doing? Are we on track? Um, you know, how are payments working? Mm -hmm. Granted, I'm not the one processing payroll. I'm not the one doing certain uh, financial things. That's Sarah, our director of operations is dealing with that uh, in addition to HR and some other activities. But uh, I'm constantly downloading spreadsheets and, and I have a highlighter and a pen. So um, I have a very mild form of dyscalculia or dyscalcula. So dyslexia for numbers. 
Um, And so I'm grateful that there's all these software programs that do math for you now, but conceptually, I understand it. I sometimes get numbers messed up in my head. And so I have to double and triple check my homework. My wife won't even uh, let me tip a server in a restaurant without her looking over my shoulder um, because of the math that has to be done. But but, uh, I'm constantly looking it over. And what what it really is about for me, this is another sort of lifting the veil or the curtain or whatever metaphor is margins right? So what is the difference financially between what you need to pay out and what you are going to take in? What's that total? People call it profit in the business world. We call it net revenue in the nonprofit world, which is what we do. We're a nonprofit. But then you have to take that net revenue amount and you have to divide it into what you took in. And that's the margin. Uh, So I'm always thinking about, it doesn't really matter how much you have to pay for something. And it doesn't necessarily matter how much you take in. What matters is the margin. And is the margin something that is sustainable? Uh, Because you'll always have times that you're going to take in more money or less money. um, And you're going to have income is like a a sawtooth on a a saw, right? Up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, Expenses are, in our cases, dramatic leaps and falls. Right. So, you know, we're going to spend a lot of money on something and then we're not going to spend much. We're going to do a lot of payroll and then we're not going to really do any. Um, And that's just the way it balances out. So for me, it's really just about making sure that the margins are maintained all the time and that also um, that whatever you spend, it is in direct relationship to something you are doing. So there's basically no overhead. There's no there's no cost that is constant regardless of how successful you are. And so that was the other part that when I was thinking about it, how do we financially pull this off? That was important. How, how do you make it to where in a downtime financially, uh, you're not being destroyed um, and, and having to have all of those moments that nonprofits have. And fortunately, you know, in the, oh gosh, 13 years that the Punctura Network has been around, we have only had one year where we were in the red. And that didn't mean we had negative uh, uh, money in the zero money in the bank. It only means that there was one year in 13 years where we chose to spend more money than we took in. And it was a deliberate choice. It wasn't by accident. So, uh, so we've never had these problems. And this is, this is, I think, very important because ever since, really, I want to say the launch of Darshan Yeshiva, we have not taken large institutional donations of any kind. So- That's- Right. So I think the I think right now, about three percent of our income comes from non-students. Mm-hmm. So just so so that's right. something that I think is really important. Three percent comes from non-students. Ninety-seven percent of our income comes from people who are paying for something, and that includes you know every time we do like a Facebook like a a, a funding type of thing. Mm-hmm someone does like a birthday campaign or someone you know donates online i appreciate the donations they're great mm-hmm. um, i think someone gave a donation recently so now we're up to like a five percent margin right like a five percent uh of non-student pay uh, uh giving but you know for the most part it's people buying things um and that to me was very important because if we are earning income it is because we are providing value it is not because someone has put us on life support. 
right? It's, it's not because that one person believes in you. And, and in spite of all evidence to the contrary, right? And I don't fault nonprofits for being there. Uh, the very early days of Punctura were like that when we were trying to figure out kind of what are we and there's this thing called blogging that people do, right? Like in those days, we were more in that world, but we have ceased that since, gosh, uh, you know, I don't even know now, a minimum of 10 years. Um, so uh, that's kind of how I thought about it. And then going to you, and saying, okay, what is fair compensation for people's time? Because talking to educators about um, financially supporting them is a very difficult conversation. I had no idea how hard that was going to be. Um, sure. and, it is, and it is because of undervaluing, mm-hmm. that, that educators undervalue their time. And it was very important to me that whatever we paid our educators, that it be above market rate for mm-hmm. their time. Mm-hmm. And so the way we figured, the way that I figured out what that was is that I said, well, effectively, these educators are adjunct. If they did this right. at any seminary, right. at any college, they would be adjunct and they would be working for a quarter. So I went on Indeed. I went on uh, a bunch of different websites, uh, Glassdoor, a bunch mm-hmm. of others. And I figured out what is the market rate for uh, adjunct professors, And then I divided it by the amount of time that an educator would have spent to teach that class. And that gave me an hourly rate for what does it cost to be an educator? Then I subtracted out things that our educators do not have to do. So there's none of these like meetings with, uh, you know, with department chairs, right? There's no, there's no committees you have to be on. There's no boards. There's, you know, none of that, um, so take all of that out of the picture. So remove all that. Um, and also making the hiring process easy. You don't have to sit for three or four interviews. Right. So, so the time that is lost because of that. So then I calculated the market rate times, what, do you, what are you actually doing? I came up with a total and then I increased the margin. So, I, so that then an educator is paid more for their time. So all of that time that they don't have to do something, they are being paid for. And what that does is it increases their hourly rate. I know that sounds really weird and wonky to some people, but basically that's the idea is let's compensate you by increasing your hourly rate uh, for time that you are technically not working uh, because you're not having to do all these things that an adjunct would have to do because uh, we're going to take care of that for you or we think it's surplus to requirement. And so that creates a situation where a person is being paid more for their time and are valued more. And what that amount was, I sent to you and you were like, wow, okay, sure. Yes. I, you know, so that's the other, <laughs> I'm happy that you figured all that out. And then I could say, yeah, sounds good because that's, that's the, the gist of it. Right. So that is interesting because it is a much um, deeper, understanding of of why that is you know and, yeah. and and i you know when you start with the 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 concept that you want to pay your educators really well that works but which also by the way is also foreign in education yeah <laughs> like, well, because and, unfortunately, and that, you know. yeah and that was hard that was mm-hmm. actually a problem trying to explain the concept to educators that their time was worth money 
That, right. That's that right. shocks them. That shocks them. Yes. Um, and then I think that creates a def- uh, this isn't a problem anymore. But early on, there was a certain level of defensiveness. Like, how dare you say my time is worth something? Because if you're working somewhere else, right, and you're not told by your boss that your time matters and you deserve to be compensated fairly, then it's almost like you're a rube, right? Like you're right. someone, right. you know, and that's, and, and that's not how I feel. The way I feel sure. is that there are systemic problems. And then to, to, to wrap up the financial component, you know, it was, here's what I think is fair financially, you know, because it's more than sort of a standard rate. You said, yes, it definitely is. Then when you just figure out how many of those people do you need? And so that's the amount it costs to educate someone. The software stuff and the, you know, the tools and all that, that's fairly minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, the cost of that's like less than 20%. Most of it is the educators, right? All the other stuff is like basically irrelevant to budget. And then you just try to figure out, well, what's a healthy margin? And I think, you know, uh, before you get to net, it's 40%. When you get to net, it's 20%. Um, and then you just, there you go. And then you just figure out, okay, well, that's how much it would cost to be a student. So are there students who are willing to pay that? Um, and the research that I did, you were dealing with educators. I was dealing with trying to figure out what was fair to students. The Mm -hmm. biggest hurdle we had was realizing it breaks my heart to say this, but how much of a problem poverty is in America. And in the Jewish world, we don't talk about that. Um, I think it, maybe it's different in different cities where you have different kinds sure. of Jewish populations. Um, but here in the South, um, there, there is this sort of meritocratic attitude uh, mm-hmm. of like, certainly there are no Jews who are below the poverty line, right? right? Almost that right. attitude. And it's like, no, like I actually have evidence to prove it. And mm-hmm. so knowing that, that charging anything was going to discount a, lo- a lot of people, uh, it, it broke my heart. But I just knew if we were going to pay our educators well and if we were going to provide a good program, that was that. Having said that, when you line us up cost-wise with other seminaries, we are one-tenth of the price. Of course, yes. Well, because no overhead. Exactly. You know, we don't have that issue. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. One-tenth of the price. To the point point that someone emailed me, and I'm sure you get more of these emails than I do, about what are the scholarship options. Yes. And I said... PRS is the scholarship option because sure. it's one-tenth the price. Right. Now, of course, along the same lines of that, if anyone who's listening to this wants to start our scholarship program, <laughs> right? right? Fair um, enough. Fair but enough. it's true. No, it's true. You know, there, there are pieces. First of all, it's great to have the insight of, of you know, your side of how we figured financially that this was, was doable or not. Uh, but there is that piece that, unfortunately, there is Jewish poverty. No one talks about it. Right. You know, right. there is. I mean, like how many people that you know that you don't know are getting, you know, discounts right. at places right. or like right. that's why synagogues have financial people on staff to talk right. about you know, the treasurer and there are other people to talk about, you know, how you can become members of a synagogue if you can't afford it. You know, of course, that's that's it's something it's it's a sort of an unwritten Un, unsayable thing right right um, but it's true right. it is true um but who knows maybe maybe in the near future we could have a scholarship program of some sort and not have to limit ourselves well and i'll tell you this is what gets very tricky because there's an ethical dilemma so not going to name names but someone said to me 
uh, when, when I was discussing with uh, another rabbi about, um, about this, uh, this rabbi had gone to one of the brick and mortar uh, uh-huh. seminaries and they said, well, in my class, in, uh-huh. in my cohort, I guess, as we would call it, sure. everyone got a scholarship. Uh-huh. Well, okay, that's a wonderful thing. But what you're doing is you're actually saying that the ticket price of something is not what it is. It's right. called mark. It's called markup to, in retail. They call it markup to markdown. Mm-hmm. Right. So you right. go and you, you know, it's certain stores you go to that always have 20% off coupons. Well, right. it's not really 20% off. They just raise the price by 20%, right? right? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of fuzzy math. Uh, if sure. you, uh, if you, if you remember the nineties, uh, uh yeah, very much math. So. um, but, sure. uh, but yeah, so that's where, you know, some of those questions, like, could you offer a scholarship? Sure. If you raise the price by 10%, 15%, 20%, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then offer a scholarship. Yeah, you definitely can. And right. that's that markup to markdown. And it's not something we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The and price of it is ex- exactly what it needs to be. Right. And and we've mentioned this before also is that the transparency part on our side was very right. important. Right. So yeah. and I think I, I think I actually just mentioned this last podcast that if you go to the to our website. Pluralism, uh, jewishpluralism.org, right? And check out how much the seminary costs. That's what it costs, right? Yeah. What's on there is what it is. And I think that that it's the combination for uh, for our purposes of honesty and openness. Right. Uh, which which makes also uh, a difference for us. And and people aren't used to that. You know, People aren't you know, used to that. And that's a problem. That's, that, that is a problem. And, and it actually makes me think about, about educators and about this mm-hmm. idea of showing those contracts, right? Where we yes. wanted to pay people in advance because we wanted to honor their time. And they mm-hmm. were like, wait a minute, honor my time. That's ridiculous. Right. Um, it makes me wonder if part of why you go on different college, some expanding out beyond the seminaries, I'm mm-hmm. just talking about colleges in general, educational programs in general, if there's a reason why there are so many little fees right? There's a registration fee, and then there's the facilities fee, and then there's the book fee, and then there's the graduation fee, and then there's the, you know, uh, auditing fee and and whatever, if that's because people are so used to that. Whereas our system of saying it's one price, you pay this one thing, if that's almost um, challenging to people. And Mm -hmm. if we, if we didn't have this value of upfront, transparent pricing, um, if we didn't feel that way, would we be putting ourselves, are we in some sense putting ourselves at a disadvantage because we are, are so transparent that people go and they look and they don't see a thousand bullet points and little dollars that they have to spend that it's like, well, no, that can't be. It's simply impossible that it's like one price and, oh, I can pay that over a two-year period and I can pay in any way that I want to. And, you know, they'll, they'll help me with sort of designing a payment system that works for me. If that's almost to a point where people are like, this can't be real. <laughs> right, right. Like, what's the catch? Yeah, what's the catch? And, and there right. isn't one, right? Right, uh, that's true. I wonder that. I wonder that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I just wanted to wrap up, uh, you know, by saying, you know, you earlier we talked about sort of fearlessness mm-hmm. and how you didn't have any fear at all. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, what, you know, what would you say, what would, <laughs> what would you say, is, is within you, what is, the, what is that thing that allowed you to sort of not be the way I was, where you just had a let's do this attitude? Where, where does that come from for you? Uh, well, okay, so 
I don't know. Okay. That's How's fair. that? I mean, that's the fair. fact the fact is that it was something we spoke about. You know, we 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 talked it out enough, and I thought it was actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, I, it, if it was a bad idea, I wouldn't have done it. You know, if, if this was like something that I, I was like, no, I, I can't see this happening, it would have right. died. It would have right. died at that first conversation. But right. the fact is that I guess it was it was more of well, what could go wrong, right? You know, like right. like what's the worst that can happen? Well, right. I mean, if no one found out about it, nothing. You know, <laughs> like or right. or or it was an experiment that we tried that didn't work, and okay. Right. But, you know, there is this, this, this idea that if you don't try, you're not going to know. Right. So, right. so, and here we were, and really you had from that initial conversation that we had um, to the time we actually spoke to and accepted our first student. Right. Right. That right. it could have just, we could have just ended at any time. Like, sure, you know, sure. like even, even if I had all the, the, educators and rabbis lined up we could have just said you know what we're not doing it right we're done right. thanks yeah. you know we'll yeah, pay you for your time wrong with it. we'll pay yeah. you for your time even though you don't want us to and then we'll be done you know right. so there was always that out and i think that 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 made that, that, that little safety valve to release the pressure was there and i think that gotcha that for me by the way outwardly maybe there was a, a feeling of, of fearlessness but <sighs> please <laughs> every, every step along the way i was like why are we doing this should we do right. this yes we should do this you know but there's yeah. because that goes back to your that initial self-doubt right of right. what people are going to say and i think that i had enough conversations with people along the way who were not part of it who were i wasn't looking to have teach for us or or work for us behind the scenes or be you know consultants for us it was just the right. the the regular you know rabbis that i knew Right. right in my right. life, which I know many, um, and none of them were like, "Wow, that's a horrible idea." Right. You know. Right. So, so I, I think that part of it was, yeah, let's go for it. Oh no, but I, you remember we talked about this before many times, and even I think in, in the first podcast we did was that that moment we we launched the website, right to start. I was a, I was like a ball of a mess, you know. I, I <laughs> it was bad, and and then of course we did it, and nothing went wrong. The world, for at least a few more weeks, kept spinning, and then right. the pandemic hit. But you know, it was so. In many ways, I I, I guess the approach of like what could really go wrong. Right. Right. Well. We could we can obviously you know tell lots of stories about things that did go wrong uh, beyond the stories that we've shared today and maybe yes. in the future we'll discuss all this and more and you know maybe some oopses that have mm -hmm. gone on along the way but uh, you know for now uh, a reminder to all of our friends that you can in fact enjoy this enjoy this podcast on all kinds of platforms so please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you enjoy this podcast you might enjoy oh I don't know maybe being a student at PRS. Maybe you'd like to do that. So uh, make sure to visit jewishpluralism.org. You can obviously do our rabbinical program. If you're not there in life or you're not sure yet what you want to do, join the community Beit Midrash. Matter of fact, I know that that uh, is being worked on a little bit today. So exciting nice. to see what changes are going to come to that. A few new classes I believe are going to be put up. New classes are put up all the time. We're at 30 plus. I say 30 plus because honestly, I've lost count. I know it's over 30. Uh, but if you have any questions, just visit our website, jewishpluralism.org. As always, thank you to my dear friend, Rabbi Sandy, founder and director of PRS.